0: TheYeshiva.net. Okay, we started Monday morning, the first maimer of the Balatanya in Parshas Vayechi Yehuda Ata Yeiducha Achecha Torah. Parshas Vayechi page eighty-nine. We learned the first paragraph, the first ice, and we're holding the second one. Today's class is dedicated by Reb David Abulafia in honor of the Torah. May the light of Torah inspire world leaders into expanding freedom, sustenance, and good spiritual activities for the benefit of all mankind. Amen. What a beautiful blessing. Also dedicated by Cindy ben in honor of her beloved husband, in tribute to his birthday, for many long, happy, and healthy years, and dedicated by Lisa Rubin, in memory of her father, Reb Yosef Ben-Sien ben Yitzchak Isaac. Thank you very, very much. To summarize what we learned, he began that Yehuda comes from the word hoida'a. When he was born, Leah said, "Hapam pam Now I will be grateful. I will be thankful to Hashem. Oida, I'm going to thank. Like moidim, like ani, I thank you. Todaraba, ani modelecha, as we say, it's a form of thanks. In other words, Yehuda captures the quality of gratitude. And... It's connected to the idea of submission and surrender and acquiescence and haida. Hayda has different meanings, but the main point here is the gratitude, the thanks. And the Balatanya said that Yehuda is something that is is defined. It's 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 a quality that exists in all of Neshama Israel and all of the Jewish people. In fact, do you know that our name? for eternity, is named for Yehuda, not for any other of the tribes. You want to ask, how do you call a Jew? A Jew is a Yehudi. Yehudi, the Jewish people are called Yehudim, right? Also in other languages, Jahud, <laughs> Ukrainian Zid, Zid. you remember? Zhid, avai grashi, Zhid, grashi, give me money. What's Zid? It all comes from Yehuda. Judah in English, Jews, the word Jews, people don't realize, Jewish, Jews, it comes from Judah. Now, in the Tanakh, we're not called Yehudim, we're called Yisrael, Bnei Yisrael. In the Megillus Esther, we're called Yehudim, the first time. And there's a reason for it, because the ten tribes were exiled before the destruction of the first Beis HaMekdesh, around 150 years before. Majority of the Jewish people that were left were from the other two tribes, Yehuda and Binyamin. So the Megillah Esther, which was written in Persia, after the destruction of the first Beis HaMektesh, before the Jews came back, started to come back to Israel. Most of them didn't come back. So therefore, over there, their dominant quality, the dominant, I would say, uh, tribe of the Jewish people was Binyamin, but also Yehuda. So they're called Yehuda, Yehudim. Even though Mardachai himself and Esther, right, Ishimini, which is Binyamin, and Esther also was a descendant of uh, of Shaul who came from Binyamin. But uh, but the, the, the title of the Jewish people is Yehuda. So so the the family of royalty. But there's also a deeper element, and that is that to to, to be a Jew is somebody who lives with a sense of gratitude. And it's not easy, because naturally, you know, there's always what to complain about, and for good reasons. <laughs> but to be a Jew is to be in a state of haydaya, manach nolach. nolach. There's somebody I know, he's a doctor, he lives in Lakewood. His name is Dr. Liebowitz. <coughs> he's about true many years. I think Harvard Medical School. So he once shared a story. He was in the hospital... An African-American woman, an elderly woman or middle-aged woman was brought in, cardiac arrest. And the hospital staff, the doctors worked on her for close to a a half an hour or 40 minutes. And they couldn't get to pulse. They couldn't get any sign of life. So they declared her dead. He came into the hospital then and he saw the commotion. He said he doesn't know why, but he had an instinct that he should go try So after they all left the room, there was nothing to do. He started to work on her. And it was indeed, he saw that it was futile. But he said, there's a voice in him that said, don't stop. And after 45 minutes, he got back a pulse. (laughs) It's like He brought her back to life. And her life was safe. She was in the hospital for another few weeks. She recovered. And she was ready to be discharged. So before she was discharged from the hospital, he came in to say goodbye to her. It was obviously very emotional because she was literally brought back from the dead. And in fact, all the doctors that worked on her declared her dead. So she was brought back from the dead twice. You know, she was dead when she came in. And then the doctors, you know, gave her a second death sentence. So he said, he said that this African-American, this black woman looked at her and said, how do I thank you? How do I thank you? What am I supposed to do to thank you? Say thank you? I could say thank you. So he says, it's obvious that every milestone in my family, every birthday that we celebrate, every anniversary that we celebrate, every New Year's party, every Thanksgiving dinner, every milestone of the family, you know, weddings, happy occasions, I'm going to get up and make a toast for Dr. Leibowitz, who allowed me to be able to be here. That's for sure. But that's not enough. <laughs> she says, really, what I should do is, every step that I take... Actually, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say thank you, Dr. Lieberwitz. Thank you, Dr. Lieberwitz. Thank you, Dr. Luke. Every step. So he said when he she told this to him, he thought to himself, <laughs> you could learn from her the shot in the medrash. It says, "Call on shama to So the medrash says, "I'll call Nishimo Nishima. Not just every soul, but every breath. For every breath, breath, you have to be able to say thank you. You may have seen my clip I did on Hanukkah about uh, how many breaths we breathe a minute and an hour and a day and 80 years, 90 years. So he said he learned from her every time I take a step, every time I, I, I could move, every time I'm, I'm breathing in oxygen, every time my biological system is functioning, able to say thank you. Somebody sent me an interesting thing just this morning, an email. There's a, there's a, there was one of the Rishonim He's known as the Reikeach, the Bala Reikeach. He lived in Worms in Germany. He's known as Rebe Loza mi Germeize, Rebe Loza from Worms, from Worms, Worms in Germany. He was one of the great sages of Germany in the 12th century, the 1100s. He has a commentary, it's called, he has a Sefer Sfarim in Halacha. He was one of the leaders of Ashkenazic Jewry. He was a student of Yehuda, Chassid. Rekeich, I think, is the gematria al is like a pharmacist. You know, when you mix things, you make a beautiful compound. In any case, so in his commentary, in Chumash, this person sent me, in Parshish Tvayetze, it says that when Yehuda was born, Leia said, Now, hapam, now, this time I'll thank Hashem. And then what Tamad this. she stopped giving birth. So he says, why did she stop giving birth? Because she said, now I'm going to give thanks. Really, every breath you should give thanks. Not now. Suddenly with Yehuda, she said, oh, now it's time to give thanks. And he says, really, every breath you should give thanks. So it's interesting, it comes from him because he had a very, very difficult life. He describes, this is not common for somebody who lived in the 1100s, he described how two thugs came into his house and they murdered two of his children in front of his eyes and his wife in front of his eyes, and he was saved. He writes this in his in swadim. His, in his he even says what he was doing while, he was, while, they, while they came into the house. So when you read such a commentary from him, you know the context of the person. It's, 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 very, it's very intense. Why am I mentioning this? Because the Balatanya also discusses the Hapam. And he says, why Hapam? Hapam is because we live in a world of time, and people are always changing. You can't compare a person in the morning to a person in the evening, a person in one type of day to another type of day. People are always changing, he says. The way the soul is rooted in a place that's beyond time, it's Yehuda with a Yud, which means it's always happening. Kacha Yasei of Yehuda is always in a state of Aida, but in the world of Zman, where we are vulnerable to the vicissitudes and fluctuations and Shinuyim, you can't compare. There's Hapam. Now I experience Aida. That's the Hapam. And what, what creates that thankfulness? So, Habal said it's the first three brothers. Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. After you cultivate the qualities of Reuven, Shimon, and Levi, now Hapam now, after Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. And that's what Yaakov Avido means on his deathbed. Yehuda, It's your brothers, your three first brothers, that allow you to emerge into the world, that allow Yehuda to be born. And for this, he started the explanation at length, that Reuven, Shimon, and Levi, and Yehuda represent four stages in Havadis Hashem and a relationship with Hashem. They represent four stages in davening, And the first is Reuven. Reuven comes from the word seeing, Re'iya. reu see my child. When Reuven was born, Leia said, Kira Hashem ba'anyi. Hashem saw my pain. Now, hopefully, my, my husband will acquire affection to me. And what does this mean? The Balatanya said, seeing here is a form of affection. When I see something and I cherish it and I appreciate it, seeing in the form of not just hearing about something in an abstract way, but really connecting to it, noticing it, seeing it. And when you see something that's really mesmerizing and exciting, you become glued to it in a way that few things can impact a person. It could be a piece of art. It could be a human being. Everybody knows, right? Somebody mentioned. Sometimes you see a certain, type, a certain person or a certain piece of art or a certain reality, something in nature, and, and you're, just, you're mesmerized by it. You can't take your eyes off it. The beauty, the, the art, the, the, the physique, the structure, the symmetry, the, the aesthetical... Beauty of it, the person is literally consumed. They call it mesmerized. <coughs> it's almost like you don't want to tear yourself away from it. You know, you keep on on, on looking, staring, and gazing. That's a very deep form of connection. The Alter Rebbe says that the whole davening was created by Chazal for this this purpose: L'istakola biyikare demalcha to gaze." at the glory of the king. What does it mean to gaze? Not to gaze at God, because I can't gaze at God physically with my physical eyes. But that the relationship should be one that's as powerful as when you see something and it becomes really uh, entrenched in your psyche and in your heart. Seeing is believing. the like the Gemara Chazal say, shmiya Right, You can hear and hear, but it's not like seeing. And he says the whole purpose of davening. Wasn't just to say words and make people repeat praises of Hashem. The whole de Zibra from the beginning, from Haidu or Ashkenaz, from Baruch Shem But for our discussion, it's not relevant. You start with Haidu, you start with Baruch Shammar. But the whole, but be David Nusach Nusach. So you started with with Haidu. So that's why I'm doing it that way. But it's the same Nekudah. However, you do psukah Zibra, If you have a Nusach Ashkenaz, it's the same point. Rabbi Shapiro once said, whether you start with Haidu and then you do Baruch Shama, you start Baruch Shama and then you do Haidu. the main thing is that by everybody's on the same page. <laughs> yeah, that was very deep. He said, the main thing is he was a diplomatic leader, so he dealt with a lot of different people. So he said, the main thing is the Heistar of Horowitz, the main thing is everybody's on the same page. The Ashkenazim and the Svaendim, the Litvaks and the Chassidim. If not, if by Yehich they're still fighting, it's <laughs> the It's worthless. So, what's the point? The whole Indian of Psukkot Zimni says not just to say words, make people say words. Or just to repeat the same thing. Say, praise Hashem once and say, <laughs> thank you, Dr. Leibowitz. You know, thank you, Rebornish Shaloyla. One thank you could be more powerful than saying thank you a thousand times. The point is to engage the person to really engage the person, almost to, to like go into a new reality, to go into a cocoon, that requires mental mental uh, awareness, mental space. Uh, the person, obviously, if I'm angry and upset and anxious and, and overwhelmed and I'm running somewhere, it can't happen. That's why it says in Shulchan Aruch, you know, you have to prepare yourself, open your mind and clear your head, clear your heart. <coughs> it's a meditative, it's, it's it's a serious meditative experience. And the point is, Ru'uven, the seeing is what creates love. When you have that connection, when you can really see me, when you can really notice me, when you can really observe, really, really, really observe, he says, the result of that is Ahava. ki HaShem, ki ki That was the main point, and he went into different details about the different points of davening, and now let's continue inside. V'hidei ksiv we spoke about everything is there, the whole davening is there to lead up to Vahafta, Ru'uvein, to bring to love. We said that the davening was to prepare to Vahafta, because real Ava is connection. And connection is not an intellectual robotic experience. You know, Artificial intelligence, they're teaching artificial intelligence how to love. <laughs> they think. They think. Huh? They think. <laughs> A.I. is going to love you too. What do you have to have a real relationship? <laughs> and it's a mechaya because they don't get into bad moods. <laughs> <laughs> right? huh? They could get into moods also. <laughs> and that's what they're saying now. Yeah. See, <laughs> so he says a very powerful thing that knowledge, all the knowledge in the world is not what creates love. The Ganav also prays to Hashem, right? Please help me in my ganav. But he'll continue stealing. Why? Because that's what knowledge without internalization is, without real self-awareness. The ability of seeing is not just that I know things. It's not knowing information. A person could know everything. I could know and study and have all the information. He says, that's not the of Davening. It's connecting with it. It's like a relationship. I'm dancing with it. I get lost in it. Literally get lost in it. You don't want it to end. There's an element of ecstasy. You know, sometimes you hear a niggin. You don't want it to end. You want to stay with it. It opens you up to a different type of connection, a different type of relationship. That's ruvin. But here it comes another point, a very powerful point in ruvin. V'hinei ksiv doesn't just say love. It says, Love with all your heart. Razal, so the Mishnah says in Brachas, b'shnei Yitzarech. What does it mean with all your heart, not with half your heart? With both of your Yitzarech and both of your inclinations. As the Mishnah says, Bishne Yitzarech. What does this mean, Bishne Yitzarech? Literally, it means there's a and a We have a positive inclination, we have a negative inclination. Somehow, I want to be able to include both of them, transform both of them. So he explains the hainu, means that the love should be a love that's defined as the love of a bal tshuva. What does that mean? What does it mean, the love of balchuva? The Ava should be in a state of Chuva. What does this mean? Ki a tshuva don't make the mistake that tshuva is about sin. In other words, somebody who has a various, chas somebody who sinned, who transgressed, made a mistake, made an error, I have to do tshuva. I have to repent, I have to apologize, I have to have remorse. Tshuva is a, is, is a state of reality in every person. In other words, even a tzaddik. Why? Tshuva means repentance. That's what tshuva means. In English, repentance means, I repent for something wrong that I did. He says, but that's not really what Tshuva means. In English, they translate it as repentance, but that's not the translation of Tshuva. Tshuva means return, not repentance. What Tshuva really means is to restore its restoration of the soul back to its pristine source. That's what Shuvah is. Shuvah is a form of restoration. It's bringing back my neshama to where it was, to where it belongs, to where it originates, to where its essence is. To anchor it, re-anchor it in its own mucker, in its own church. like a tree that's been disconnected and you, so to speak, with what's disconnected is disconnected, but in this, you bring it back to its roots. It should be rooted in its own source. What is its source, he says? It was completely klula. Klula is submerged in its matzil. The matzil is the one who emanated the soul Hashem and bound up mamish with Hashem. But it it, it descended from its place of glory and it came in to a material incarnation. <laughs> See his subtle definitions here. Even the most sensitive soul and a person who's connected to their soul, with all of the spiritual comprehensions, all the spiritual antennas that the soul has and therefore experiences and comprehends and detects in its body, all of these hasagos, all of these levels of awareness, the consciousness that it's capable of, it's within the territory, it's within the realm of time and space. When really the soul comes from a place that transcends time and space. Like he said earlier, "Hapam Hashem. It's always now, now I'm going to do it. There's a difference between now and an hour ago, and an hour from now. Now, tomorrow. Because I live, I live in a defined realm of Zman and Mokim. And it's not just I live there, I don't even know of anything else. <laughs> I'm a product of it. I live in space, I live in time. <inaudible> but really, the soul is not a product of time and space. Really, the soul is not a product of a certain time or of a certain space. We experience things that way. Now it's 8 15 in the morning, it's not 9 15 in the morning, it's not 7 15 in the morning. My thoughts change, my sensations change, my pressures change. I'm in a specific space. And it's not just physical space. It's all the different spaces you're in. But really the soul is rooted in infinity. Mamash beyond time and space. And that's what the soul is. But the soul is living in a reality that is filled with those limitations. And even its hasagas ruchnis, in other words, even its spiritual sensitivities become defined by that. E'nechanami. You're right. That's what he's going to say. Tshuva is therefore—it's the story of life. Tshuva is not. I sinned. I have to say I'm sorry. That's also. If I made a mistake, I have to say I'm sorry and apologize. Tshuva is really the story of returning. Who doesn't have to return? How do you, how do you restore it? The first thing is al yitz to el Hashem You have to cry. You have to cry out. This is from the Posik in Tehillim, Kuv Zion, right? That the Baal instituted to say Erev Shabbos before Mincha. By Chasidim, they say, capital Kuv Zayin. You know why? If you went through the week and you came to Shabbos, you probably went through the sea, you went through the desert, you went through prison, and you went through illness. So you have to now say thank you. Yoidul Lashem that's Tehillim Kuv Zion, the capital of Hagoymel. Hagoymel Khavim Toivus. So with this, it says, Batsar comes from the word uh from their Batsarlahem, from their um, eng, engshaft in, in, in Yiddish. Huh? Yeah, from the tightness, Batsar. It was like a tzara. It's The word tsara comes from the word tsar, right? Like the donkey of Bilaam was in a mokham tsar, a very narrow space. Restriction, Restriction and constriction. So from that sar, from the fact that it's so eng, it's so tight, it's so difficult, you scream out, get me out of here. Vaitsaku. So the Valtanya says, how do you begin to restore the soul? Vaitsaku. The soul needs to cry out. It's so tight. It's literally tight. Get me out of this place. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. loya meitzer I'm, I'm, being in such limitations is just too, too narrow for me. <laughs> Cause it's not who I am. If it was who I am, then I would be very comfortable. <laughs> if I'm in a closet then I belong in a closet, I'm very comfortable in the closet. Right? It's the famous Marshall I told you once. It's a beautiful metaphor. There was a, there was an old farmer and he was walking around the fields and the farms after a huge storm. And he saw an abandoned, destroyed nest of an eagle. You know, nests get destroyed in storms. It's sad how all the nests get destroyed. The birds work so hard to build them, and then a storm comes, boom. But he saw there was one egg in the nest that still looked viable. So out of compassion, he, he retrieved the egg, and he brought it into his chicken coop. And he put it there in the coop. So the chicken... She was lay, she was sitting on all the eggs. She sat on this egg too. She warmed it up. And indeed it hatched. And a little guy came out and he was with all of his brothers and sisters, the roosters and the chickens. And he hung out with them. A chicken like all chickens. And what do chickens do? they walk a whole day and they look at the ground and they look for food they look for seeds you know our chickens walk around here you maybe have some of them in your garden here in they walk around and they look for their food and this is what he did his whole life anyway he became an old man and one day all the chickens were standing there and he too and he lifted up his head and he saw an eagle a majestic eagle flying across the horizons, and he gave a sigh and he said, ah, if I only would have been an eagle. So he's the only one who gave out that sigh. These chickens didn't sigh. Why not? What do you think? Because they were chickens, they weren't eagles. He was an eagle. The very fact that you're crying out about your limitations, that's the first sign, that's the first sign that you're not defined by it. We don't give credit enough to the aku stage. Get me out of here. When I'm out of here, I'm free. He's saying something deeper than that. When you're out of here, you're free. But freedom begins when you scream about the fact that you're not out of here. The very frustration, the very outcry, the very tears that I shed for the limiting state that I'm in, for the incarceration that my soul is experiencing, that's because... It's tsar, at least at, at least it's tight. At least shrai, scream. Rapin Khaskaritza once said, the Talmud of the Bashemtav, he once said, You have in Basin Chask that if you live in somebody's house, if somebody's living in your in somebody's house for three years. So that's called chazaka It's a chazakah. You have three years to make a machah to protest. You didn't. We're not talking about if there's a deed. There's no deed. The deed was lost. So the fact that you were there three years in the house and the owner did not protest even once, didn't make a machah, this is halachically a good sign that you're not a squatter, but it's your house. You say you sold it to me or you gifted it to me or you sold it to somebody who sold it to me, Halachically, it's fine. It's called chazak, cheskas gimul shanem. In bababasa cheskas habatim. So the Pinchas Karitzah said, he said, sometimes... Somebody moves into your soul and he becomes a squatter. <laughs> and he takes over your life. He says, you don't always have control over that. But a macho you have to make. Why didn't you make a macho? <laughs> Where's the macho? <laughs> you have a squatter. He took over you. I got it. He took over your heart. Very powerful word. Why didn't you make a macho? Three years. Macho doesn't mean you get rid of him. I can't get rid of him. He's a bully. He's a mafioso. I can't. Well, why didn't you make a protest? Shy? Say, this guy is a ganiv. Tell somebody in shul. <laughs> you were quiet. He says, that really means something else. That means he's not a squatter. The soul is sensitive to the fact that this is a place of tsar. It's a place where it's too narrow for me. I don't belong here. My expansiveness is beyond this. Bistafis. I can't always change every reality, but I can protest. Protest is a very powerful thing. I'm not talking about all the protests in Israel. <laughs> you have to know which protests. <laughs> but the, the inner protest, the inner outcry, is very powerful. The Baal Shem Tev once said, The place where you want to be, that's where you are. Right? Think about that. I'm not there. I want to be there. No, he says, that's where you are. That's where you are, but I'm not there. That's where you really are. It may take time. You have to cultivate it. You have to deal with resistance, with obstacles. Kitzar <laughs> The place, which place, which place is too narrow for him? Any place. <laughs> the soul doesn't live in place. zanemar. <laughs> On this, it says in Torah, we say it every day in Krishna. me eretz why are we always talking about that? I took you out of Egypt. He says, because Mitzrayim really means Meitzar. The word Mitzrayim is not a f- only a physical country on the map in Africa called Egypt. That too. But Mitzrayim is a paradigm, it's time from the word Meitzar. Meitzar is boundaries. You're in boundaries. You're constricted. You're restricted. You're incarcerated. You're stuck. In walls, and you can't get out of it. That's called Vayitzako El Hashem Batzar. batzar I'm in a mitzrayim, and I cry out. I cried. I make a macho. I don't belong here. I don't want to be here. Even though I'm here, but I don't want to be here. Why don't I want to be here? I want to be an eagle. I want to fly. I don't want to be here, earthbound. Sashayi this sense of mirirus. Mirirus literally means bitterness, like murr But here he doesn't mean that you're bitter. Here he means I'm frustrated. I'm, 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 I'm upset. I'm hurt. That's what mirirus means, which is what murr mit concept of mirirus. There's a sense of bitterness. Bitterness in the sense, when you say a bitter person, it's like a person who's just bitter and negative and angry. But here he means the bitterness the as of frustration. The frustration, the angst, the angst that a person has this magnifies the love to the divine much stronger to go back to be submerged where you really are in in infinity like the light that's born from the darkness when negative energy is harnessed to become a catalyst for positive growth There's no positivity that is as powerful as that. It says in Kehelas, that I have seen, that there is an advantage to wisdom over folly, like the advantage of light over darkness. So the Zoyer says, Shlema Melech is the only one who saw this. He says, I saw that wisdom is greater than folly and light is greater than darkness. Everybody disagrees with So the Balatanya Teiches what he means is, the wisdom that comes from folly, and the light that comes from darkness. Not that there's yisrin her light is greater than darkness. You don't need Shlem HaMelech for that. What Shlem HaMelech was telling you is that there's no light like the light that comes from darkness. That's the light. <speaking in Hebrew> the Gemara says in Bruchos, where balitshuva stands, sadikim don't stand, He doesn't only mean the Baltruva in the sense that people use it today. You're a Baltruva, you're FFB, you're a BT. He means Baltruva here. It's not, it's not, it's not about how many sins I did, how many sins I didn't do. That's included in it, of course, but it's the state of a Baltruva, somebody who uses the very, very frustration from being incarcerated in a difficult space and that outcry that outcry fuels a sense of love and, and appreciation and enthusiasm that can't happen without it. That's only the Bal <laughs> That's B'chalavach. That's P'shat That's le So it's a new title B'Shnei Yitzhorecha. B'Shnei yitzarecha doesn't literally mean my Yitzhore just got transformed. That may not happen. But my love comes with my Sahara. Don't be afraid of Yitzhore. The Yitzhore may create an outcry that creates a very powerful love. That's what the bichol of means. Not bishnei yitzarecha. The my yitzahara is gone. It's eliminated. I'm all good and holy and holistic, and I have no, <laughs> I have no issues anymore. That's not what it means. Bichol of means the love comes from your entire heart, from from the negative yitzahara too, because that's the vayitzaku, the vayitzaku, but from the narrowness. It's a different. It's a different type of love. That's what Makam shabalech shuvah them. You don't tell a person, go sin, so you should be able to become a bal tshuva. You don't do that. But the fact is that somebody that goes through these things, their appreciation and their connection is much deeper. Yeah, of course. Much larger definition. Because a bal tshuva, like he says here, is for every single person. Because every person's soul goes through the trauma of leaving infinity and becoming defined by time and space. Now, how deep is that trauma? That's every person's life is different. For one soul, the entire trauma is time and space. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's the trauma: time and space. That's 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 not that's not that's not a small trauma according to the Alter It's the source of all traumas. It's not a small one. It sounds a big deal, right? Time and space. That's your problem. <laughs> when you understand what a soul is, it's not a small deal. It's batsarlem. It's not made of zmanamok. That that's. Uh, that's the edelkaiti. That all of my spiritual sensitivities are filtered through time and space, which for the soul is a very painful experience. But that snowballs into many other experiences that the soul has, where it becomes not only defined by time and space, but it can become stuck in certain experiences in a particular time in a particular space, and that becomes my identity. And the soul knows it's not its identity, and maybe the whole its whole life it struggles with trying to liberate itself from that. But this also tells you something else. And obviously we have to say it in a sensitive way. And that is sometimes people look at their darkness as the greatest curse of their life. If only this and this and this would have not occurred to me when I was a child, or when I was a teenager, etc., etc., how much more blissful and normal my life would have been. And there's a truth to that. But there's also another truth. And that is that the love that comes from the darkness has a different type of love there's there's, there's an awareness there's a connection there's a, there's a relationship that comes only from transformation that cannot be experienced without that so in that sense the person has to also be able to 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 appreciate that the fact that my soul has has been imprisoned so deeply and its cry is so so painful but if it's crying, and if it's yearning and if it's searching for that transformation, just know that the love that you will experience is unparalleled. And this can only happen when the soul came down into this world and went through what it went through. This doesn't make things easy. This is not to romanticize and, and uh, whitewash you know very difficult experiences, but, but, with, but, but it gives us a very deep, deep understanding and appreciation that you see certain people who went through certain things, there's a light, there's a love inside of them that you can't find anywhere else. Why? Precisely because the outcry, the Vayitzako, was a different Vayitzako. Freedom. Yeah. Truva means freedom. Restoration. Free yourself. Free yourself, yeah. Free yourself from every uh, dibuk, from everything that got attached to me and became a counterfeit identity. It became a substitute to my real identity. To be able to free myself and literally return to the place, so I have to know where I'm lost. You know, when they meet a child, they say, you know, where do you live? El Terebbe says, remember that tshuva always means you have to know where you came from. Because if not, somebody says, where do you live? If you don't know the address, they don't know where to take you. <laughs> What's your name? Where do you live? Who's your mother? Who's your father? So I have to know where I come from to be able to have tshuva. So tshuva is not just a situation of you know, I did something wrong so I'm repenting. If I don't have to do tshuva much better. No, he says tshuva is is, is the story of life. The story of life of to know, where you're going. to know where you're going. Exactly. Yeah, It's a GPS of life. God's positioning system. Yeah. It says in tshuva that bali they, tshuva they, they draw to him. They're Moshech, they're Nimshech, they grow with much more vigor, with much more intensity. Why? Because it's the darkness that creates the intensity. When I'm being drawn to you only in a positive way, it's it's beautiful. But when the darkness is the impetus of the relationship, there's an intensity there that comes from the darkness. Ah, huh? Yeah, from the earth that comes from the Chayshech. Yeah it is a revelation of in a very real way on the person's soul that the life of the body and the animal soul and their faculties become transformed and they return to Hashem and darkness is transformed to light because all of them are now part of the relationship there's no part that's amputated There's no like, oh, my darkness, I don't acknowledge it, I don't know about it. It all becomes part of the love. I don't look at the different parts of my animal consciousness which I struggle with and say, you know, I wish you weren't here. No, bring them into the relationship even if only in the fact that they create the catalyst for the frustration, for the angst, for the yearning. They tell you where you want to get out of. That's a very, very big thing. We don't appreciate so much our negativity. <laughs> I don't want this to come out of the wrong way, but we, we don't appreciate so much our negativity. He's telling you, you have to appreciate your, neg- your so-called negative parts too. Those voices in you that you're trying to get rid of, they play a very important role in life because they create a catalyst for transformation. They create a calling. They create an outcry they create a vayitz'aku al Hashem, but they create the batzar, the batzar. And when that becomes the springboard for growth, it's a different level of growth. It's a different level of transformation. You're teufis, you understand? So be very After this piece, you're still embarrassed. I am, will be very embarrassed. Interesting question. I once saw uh, a teaching from Rav Cook, Rav Ramitza Akhoyin Cook. And he said there are people who have a proclivity to lie and exaggerate about everything. You know, there's people, when they tell a story, you know that 50% of the story never happened. That's what he says. They have a khush l'hakzim. You know, to everything is... Huh? Exaggerate, dramatize, build up stories that never happened, or at least embellish them in ways that are unrecognizable. Validation. So probably it's for validation purposes. They want to the validation of the public, you know, if I could tell a juicy story, I'm going to get everybody's attention. Whatever it is, they want to enthrall the people they need it for their identity. But he says something very interesting. I saw this many years ago. He says it's a quality that you shouldn't uh, demonize and you shouldn't eliminate. He says you just have to know where to use it. Exaggerate and dramatize the greatness of your soul. When you're talking about your soul exaggerate it, and he says, as much as you exaggerate, you won't even scratch the surface of how great it is. So that's what you should do with the nivolpe also. <laughs> that's, yeah. yeah. A lot of Russians have it. It's not just you. It's a cultural thing in Russia. And they have curse words that no other languages have. They have developed it. It's one of the yeah. richest languages in the world. Especially when it comes to cursing. (laughs) I know, I know. I grew up in a culture of a lot of Russian Jews. I'm familiar with it. Both my parents come from Russia. (laughs) So the answer is, when we have that, it's really an opportunity to be able to take that intensity and harness it in positive words. Take those words and say, I'm going to take those words and harness it. The same energy, the same intensity in positive words. Find the Russian expressions. So for this, you'll go to Yiddish. (laughs) (laughs) Or music, or music. The point is, that whatever intensity I'm experiencing, it's not something just to look at, this is the curse of my life. No, this is the opportunity of my life. Because this, first of all, tells me what to work on. It gives me tremendous awareness. And furthermore, it's this very, very angst and frustration that allows the outcry and the yearning and the liberation, the Yisuna na'em min that creates a whole different level of love. But as long as I put the darkness in context of light, not the light in context of darkness, that's not always simple. In other words, the darkness takes me over. There's no vayitzak. You know, if the chicken decides he's a chicken, <laughs> there's no macha. Then it's the opposite. So, but the person has to be able to mobilize all of it as part of my as part of my love in a relationship. And now he comes and he says something amazing about Ruven. Why did Leah call Ruven Ruven? God saw my pain. Now my husband will love me. So, literally, it's translated. Hashem sees my pain. I'm not liked. He gave me a child, and hopefully. Yaakov will say, you know what? I have a good wife. He says it's not two separate things. It's directly connected. V'zeu kira Hashem Hashem saw my onyi. Onyi is <laughs> my pain, my poverty. Pirush Leia saying as follows. Shai oni u'mirudi. It's through my onyi, through my pain, through my angst. Merudi is my difficulties, my challenges. Hu meridus which is the angst of the soul because of these experiences that are difficult, should be that a person feels inside of them. God responds. The face that I show to the water is shown back to me. It's also true with a person and Hashem. And the face I show is the face I get back. A different light that I perceive from Hashem. He sees me in a different way. The love is in a different way. It's not just true within myself that your love is much deeper when it's fueled by darkness. That's true. But it's also, my anyi creates a Hashem. God sees me in a different way. His love is different. The riyah that comes from above is completely different. There's a relationship that is unparalleled to any other relationship. Ki Yevani, and he starts loving me, like a real husband. Ki Yevani, Hashem, not just Yaakov, Yaakov is a reflection of Hashem. Yevani, Ishi, because of the Onyi. What does it mean he's going to love me? Ishi means my husband. But really, what does the word Ishi mean? In Hebrew, there's two words for my husband. Bali and Ishi. Right? You remember the Navu and Heisheah. That day, you're going to stop calling me my husband. You're going to stop calling me Bali, You're going to start calling me Ishi. What's the difference? What's the difference if I call my husband, my wife calls her husband Bali? What does Bali mean? <laughs> my master. My Baal. What does Ishi mean? My fire. Ishi, right? Eshali. It's a different relationship. So he says, Piddush... The Navi ineshaya says, one day you're gonna call me Ishi, my husband, ishi, Aish You're my fire. Ishi Aish Shali What does it mean, you're my fire? Listen to what he says. What does it mean? So literally you'll say, I'm passionate about you. Like you create passion in me. You're my fire. I'm in fire towards you. So there's something much deeper. Vahinu, usually passion and the object of passion are two things. I'm on fire towards you. You're not my fire. If you were my fire, I wouldn't be on fire. I'm on fire towards you. I want you. I have a fire, and that fire is towards you. I'm on fire towards you. The passion and the object of the passion are two things. Ishi says there's a, a convergence. The yearning that comes from below towards the higher. Like it says, by Hashem says, your your desire will be towards Ishek, towards your husband. He is my fire. Tia, this desire that you have, because you are my fire. I become submerged in the light of infinity, so that he becomes my fire. The the, the 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 pain is transformed. Like it says in Shashinim, his right arm embraces me. What's an embrace? When I grip somebody, a real embrace, you're inside of me. You're not separate of me. You're like, so to speak, inside of me. The revelation and the desire become completely one. So it's not just you will love me, but the love is going to be ishi, that you become my fire. What does it mean you become my fire? Not just that I'm fiery about you, that I'm passionate about you, but that the passion and you become actually one. In other words, the passion creates a true, true unity. A true, true type of oneness. You are my passion. Like the breath that's inside of me. That's how deep the oneness is. Like the chibok, the hiskalel is the gilu. So Leia says, "Ruven, <speaking in> ra Hashem ba'anyi. Hashem saw onyi What's anyi? Anyi is the b'chal the b'shnei serecha. Every person's own limitations and pain. So that creates a different type of raw, a different type of seeing. My pain creates a different type of seeing, different type of relationship with Hashem. And what does it express? That the love is a different type of love. The uh, yavabi is not just you like me, you love me. It's in a way of ishi. Complete oneness, where I could say, you are my fire. Usually we look, there's two things. There's me, and I want to be real. I want to be authentic. I also want to be connected to you. You know, I want to have a friend. I want to have a relationship. I want to have a spouse. I want to have a good marriage. I want to have a relationship with Hashem. Are they two opposites? Are they two different things? There's me and there's you. So some say, yeah, you have to compromise. You know, <laughs> you want to be in a relationship. <laughs> you know, re- relax your authenticity. Some people will say, I can't stay married. I'm too authentic. <laughs> a guy left me a message yesterday. I'm too authentic. I can't stay married. Huh? I'm Ms. I'm I'm I. I'm not you. I have to compromise, compromise, compromise. Now you have to understand what he's saying, right? There's obviously a pain here. It could be narcissistic, but before you get there, we we have to appreciate the tension that sometimes my relationship demands from me to sacrifice my authenticity, and it's very difficult. It's extremely difficult. Because you're not me. You don't want what I want, right? You don't maybe have my interests. You're a different type of person. And if I'm in a relationship with you, you I have to consider you all the time, 24 hours a day. In a marriage, it's constant. It's not, the, you know, twice a week. You're going out for lunch. You know, you have a friend, you go out for lunch twice a week, fine. It's, it's a constant relationship. So that's, that tension is a very, very deep tension. So here the Balatanya is saying something. I have a fire towards you. I have some passion. But what does Ishi mean? Ishi means that you become my fire. You become my fire. So that means that in the ultimate reality of a powerful relationship... The two are not only not a contradiction, the two converge seamlessly. And that's what he means when he says, What does Ishi mean? This chukka that I have, this desire that I have, becomes, becomes, I become one with you, you become that fire. <laughs> You want to tell us how to do this? Uh-huh. It takes work. This takes work. It's not, uh, I can't snap my finger. This, this is a very mature, it's a very deep relationship. Well, it seems like also what he's saying is, before that, you have to be uncomfortable with the fact that you're constricted. Yeah. If not, it's going to contradict my authenticity. If I'm not aware of the challenge, it's going to contradict my authenticity. I have to bring in all of the voices into that relationship. Now you have to have a partner here. With Hashem, you have a partner. You have to have a partner. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? But he with Hashem, you bring in, if you don't bring in all the voices into the relationship, it's not going to be authentic. You have to bring in your darkness into the relationship. Hashem is not afraid of it. He says, oh really? Wow, let me see that. He says, he'll see you even more. He's not afraid of that. He's not afraid of that. Some people are afraid of that. Don't, don't tell that to me. But if you can't tell it to me, then I can't accept it. I can't incorporate it. So this is where you have to, you know, it takes two to tangle. But the nekudah here is that what happens in this relationship, in this relationship it's not just I have a desire and that desire is fueled by my voices of darkness. He says it becomes to the point of Yehavani Ishi. The love is that she says, Ishi, you become my fire. You are my fire. In other words, my fire and you become completely one. That's, that's a wow. That's a wow in a relationship. My fire and you become one. You are Ishi. Not just I have a fire towards you. Your definition. I define you as my fire. <laughs> Why am I defining you as my fire? I defining you as my passion. Because my my oneness with you. you are one? Yeah, is we we become really one. How do you define? How do you how do you define this in experience? And this happens through the darkness. That's, that's the Chiddush. Without the darkness, you wouldn't have yevani ishi. yevani ishi. You would think it's the opposite. You know, we're just two sweet people. <laughs> Everything works. That's where you have it. He says, no. Hashem Yevani Only now. is that nekuda. Without the onyi, you're not going to have this Ishi. It turns out that Leah developed a certain depth with Yaakov that became very powerful. You see that Yaakov is buried with her, not with Rachel. He also lived most of his life with her. Something happens in the process. It's not a simple process. Naturally, Yaakov is with Rachel, right? He likes Rachel. But but Leah, this is the greatness of Leah, because of the Onyi, because of the Ra Ki Ato Yevani Ishi, there's a different type of Av. There's parts in every relationship that cause us pain. It's unspeakable, but here he's talking about it. So maybe it is speakable. We call it unspeakable because we're embarrassed by it. But the is saying that's not love. If you're not bringing your whole heart into the process, it's not going to be love. It's going to be counterfeit love. Or it's going to be, I shouldn't say counterfeit, it's going to be very limited love. For you and me to become one, where I say you are my fire. In other words, my desire is so deep that I'm happy to become submerged in the oneness of infinity and that becomes my very identity. That can only happen when I bring in all of my challenges that tear me away from the relationship. Why doesn't a relationship undermine my authenticity? The answer is, because I'm infinite. If you and I were really separate, if me and Hashem were really two separate things, oneness and authenticity would be a contradiction. Either I'm with you or I'm with me. I need my space. What do they call it? Safe spaces? What do they have in college? Huh? I need a safe space. Don't get in my space. And it's important in life. People need boundaries, you know, sometimes empaths. People are empaths. <laughs> I saw a book. It's called The Empath's the Guide to Survival. An empath is somebody who picks up everybody's energy. You go to a wedding and you come home and you're tired for like two weeks. Another person goes to a wedding. They leave the wedding. They forgot they were there. Another person goes to a wedding for two weeks. They're dealing with everybody's energy. It's called an empath. If your kids are empaths, you probably have a lot of, you have good times with them. If you're an empath, it's a different type of life. So the survival, an empath survival, you have to know how to survive because you pick up everybody's energy and you blame yourself. Somebody's in a bad mood, now you're in a bad mood and you think you're a miserable person. You're not. You just hung around people. It's a, it's a sensitive thing, an empath. If you're not an empath, it's tovayelach abrachah. You're lucky. What's my point? My point is, in life, we need spaces. We need boundaries. You sometimes have to say, I can't be here now. I can't. But a relationship with Ain Saif ultimately, is a relationship within a Neshama in its truest space. It's not a competition. And that's what a real marriage is. And that's why Adam and Chava were created as one. And then they were separated. The Ramban says, why didn't Hashem create man and woman like he did with animals? A male horse, a female horse. A lion and a lioness. Why did he create other mechavu and then separate them? And the answer is, because if not, marriage would never be authentic. You understand? It would be a compromise of me. And that's that's a big question. Can a relationship be one that really doesn't take away my authenticity? If it's really bringing me back to me, that's amazing, but if not, not. So Adam and Heva were created as one. In other words, you're going back to yourself. Spiritually, it means you're going back to Eint Saif. Tzala When the neshama screams out from the darkness, where's it? it's going back to its source. So you are my fire. It's not separate It's not I want, and then there's you, and the question is, how much are you going to, you know, drive me crazy, and how much can I incorporate you? You become Ishi. Your definition is my fire. That's your definition. Eutophis, what I'm saying, It's a little abstract, huh? ishi. Suppose... Only now, without Onye, it won't happen. It'll always, there'll always be a part of you that's separate. That's the power of love. The power of love is Ishi, don't call me Bali. Bali is my master, there's something, a person who takes care of me. But there's a separateness, there's a dissonance. You know, you're on top, I'm on bottom, you give me, you, you like me, I, I, I appreciate everything. That's one level. Ishi is you're my fire. There's complete oneness. That's even deeper. That's what we learn Shabbos, Vayigash. So my very desire to you could become submerged in you to the point that there is, there's that level of fusion. That's what hapkeni is. So the chukka, the desire, creates a gilui ein sa'if baruchu mamash al nafsha There's a, c- a complete revelation of the ein sa'if on the person's soul. But it's not always like that? That when you desire something, becomes part of you? Yeah. Yeah, but here he's saying that the desire is his skalalus ein sa'if baruchu mamash. It's a desire that... that transcends the separateness. It's not, I desire you anymore. It's the, it's the, the I desire becomes you. <laughs> we, we merge. <laughs> that only happened because anyi. Because, because the cry of the restrictions brought it to another level. In very practical terms, it means this. At least part of what it means is. In a relationship, when you can bring into the relationship the parts that separate you from each other, which is not easy to bring in, and only try this at home if you know what you're doing, and with the proper guidance. But if you can bring into a relationship the parts that separate you, that endanger the relationship, the parts that cause you distance, pain, the parts that say, and and they frustrate you, they frustrate you, because they they undermine who you are, they undermine your connection. You feel you feel stuck, you feel negative, you feel dark, you feel like you can't express yourself, you feel like you feel a part of you is dead, a part of you is, is angry. If you can bring that into the relationship, and there's somebody you could bring it to. I don't mean somebody who's gonna tell you you're <laughs> a There's somebody that you could bring it into. To somebody who could see it. Ra Hashem Right? What that does is it allows the very you, the very you to be connected in an unparalleled way. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's a therapist talking. He says, in order to get there, you first have to make room in yourself for all those parts. <laughs> In other words, you have to accept it. <laughs> if you're not if you're not aware of it or you're just criticizing it or you're just telling yourself how bad you are, you are know, just a miserable Russia Merusha and you're a lost case, you're not bringing that into a relationship. <laughs> oh, you're right. It's very hard to do with yourself. Because the voices of of negativity are so powerful. And and you always argue with yourself on why am I such a Meshugan and yeah. Oh, you know what? I'm not even feeling... It. And then you deny that you're feeling it, you know. And then when you deny it, you can't feel it because you're not allowed to feel it. So now it's subconscious. So it's it's an avoided to really make space for it. Make space for it and not worship it. Not make space for it and worship it. It becomes your God. It doesn't be, you just make space for it. You see what's happening. And you say, yeah, this is my goof, my nefesh abaham. like he says, it. these are different parts of me. My animal is trying to survive and cope and... Uh, my soul went th- went through a whole journey. That that's yeah, it's all part of it. It's things that that got attached to me. My soul is not anymore in its source. It, it, it's it's the beautiful journey of life with all of its pain. When I could make space for it, I could then bring it into the, my relationship with God, and then I could bring it into my relationship with somebody, obviously who I can trust. You need somebody that you can trust. Somebody who wants that. Somebody who wants that connection with you. Somebody who doesn't want that connection with you. They don't. That's a pain in and of itself. You have to make space for that too. But if somebody wants that connection, they're ready for that. So he says, only that creates a connection that is unparalleled. Where there's no separateness. Where my my fire, where I I could say, you are my fire. In other words, my authentic self and my relationship with you have merged. That's all Ruven. That's Reuven. Seeing is love. Real seeing creates vahafta. He says, seeing what? First he spoke about seeing the other. Seeing Hashem, seeing the Divine. Now he says, seeing includes seeing everything. Seeing also the parts that don't love. Seeing the anyi, that's the second part of Ruven, And that's all the first part of davening. That ability. Because as I'm going through this relationship in davening, other things come up too. It's not like I start davening and I'm dancing with God. There's probably a lot of other thoughts that come up. What we call Machshav Azaris. He says, it's all part of it. That creates the catalyst for an outcry of knowing who I am and who I'm not. And I bring that all in. And that creates a different Yevani yishis. That's V'Avz HaShem Alekecha The next paragraph, he goes into Shimon and Levi. Which is the second part of Krishna, MS Vyatsiv till Gaul Yisrael. And then, he goes to Shwein which is Yehuda. You have to meditate on this because it's not, it's not information. This is, uh, experience of life. It's not just, you know, data. Avartir, Avartir. It's divriel It's, it's the flow of divinity in the world. It's like Hashem's light. Ah? Huh? Energy, yeah. Energy. It's interesting. The point of the mime is not Reuven. The point of the mime is Yehuda. But when the Altarebbe would say Maimaharim, he wouldn't speak. He would experience it. I told you many times, the Altarebbe during Maimaharim would start rolling on the ground. Literally. And he would bump into the walls. The walls were made out of cement and plastic. He'd start bleeding. So they 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 cushioned up all the walls. So when he bumps into the walls... He shouldn't bleed. And he had a chayzer, a pinchas roizus, who would review everything and write down the Maimonim, and he didn't want to miss any words. And when he was rolling, you missed words. So he would roll with him. Literally, he would roll after the Alter Rebbe, not to miss. When the Alter Rebbe turned, so he missed a few words. So in his transcripts, he leaves it empty. He wouldn't fill in the blanks. You know, sometimes, oh, he probably said this. So you know that this was, the Alter Rebbe took a turn, or something happened that he missed a few words. He was a very, very big medayik. The middle of the maimarim, yeah. The rebbe would go into a dvekus and he would start rolling, and if it wasn't he would sit in one place. I mean, he would also sit in one place, but so my point is that you see in this Mimer, his main point is Yehuda, but as he starts talking about Ruven, he gets <laughs> lost in Ruven. You can almost see it in the Mimer. like. Shimon, he's going to do very short. Levi, short. Very powerful, but short. Reuven, he starts talking about looking and getting lost. You would see. He goes into Ruuvin. He gets lost in Ruuvin, <laughs> Which is the point that he's trying to say. You get lost in a relationship. I don't want it to end. It's not like, you know, when, you know, when is the minion over? <laughs> I just want to say, culturally... I know today things have changed, Baruch Hashem. But in the communities where the Alter had many taksidim, they made their own minyanim, and it was one of the causes of the machleikus because you know there's a shul, no sechashkanaz, and but the reason they did it was halachically it's not a problem. You're allowed to have as many shuls as you want, but uh, culturally it made a lot of it made division. But the reason was uh, today already there's you know what's called the. Cross pollination between all communities, but you have to understand, there was a culture, and you still have it today. Many shuls, the rhythm was just absolute coldness. Davening was was I'm not going to say torture, but it was just an exercise in, in 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 precision. You go in at a certain minute, you leave at a certain minute. Everybody just does exactly what they have to do, and you learn this mimer, It's like. <laughs> It's like, imagine you're going to spend the evening with your wife, right? You say, okay, we're starting this minute. In 32 minutes, we're out of here. And I'm going to read from notes. The whole experience of davening is experiential. It's a relationship. So some people daven a little slower, so a little faster. A person wants to sing a nigg in the middle. This person is meditating. So there was a reason for it, because this is a relationship. Davening, it's a relationship. You get lost into it. A lot of it is spontaneous. The Balshemtev once said that uh, everything in life you can do when you're cold. Everything can be done without passion. Everything. You could make money, you could do everything. He says one thing you can't. You can't create life without passion. Who <laughs> the that? The Because intimacy creates life. And for that, there has to be passion, there has to be warmth. So I heard from Adin Steinzelt, he said, the Balshemtiv, poor the Balshemtiv, he didn't know about artificial insemination. He didn't know about that. He lived in this in this in the seventh in the eighteenth century, he didn't know about artificial insemination. You could create life without passion also. But the Balshemtav was saying is He was saying he was he was speaking in a certain shul in Manhattan, Einstein's House, one of the biggest modern Orthodox shuls in the world. Actually, in Manhattan, he spoke Shabbos morning, and he said, "This is this place reminds me of." He was very sharp of an Episcopalian church. Everybody knows when they come in. Everybody knows when they go out. And if the sermon is going to be an extra five minutes, because there's a guest, so you say the Kidditch is going to start five minutes later. He says, did it ever happen in the history of this shul that somebody was in the middle of davening and said, you know what? I can't let go of this paragraph. I need to sit with this paragraph another few minutes. He says, why did it never happen in the history of this shul? And that's what he said. The Baal Shem Tov said, this I know from the Baal Shem Tov. He writes in Kesar Shemtev, you can't create life without passion. It doesn't happen. So he said the Baushandah didn't know about artificial, artificial insemination. The technology wasn't there in the seven, in the 18th century. The point is, the Baushandah was saying, you could do everything without a heart. But if you want to create life, you need Baushandah. The Baushandah was once walking home from the mikveh with his students. There was no mikveh, so they went to the river. They went to the river and it was winter. So the water turns into ice. You know how it is in Russia and Ukraine, especially. You go to the rivers over there, you go to Hadish, there's a river, the Psal River, it turns into ice in the winter. So, there were Jews who would chop the ice and go to the mikveh. The Ribnitz Rebbe Tzirebbe used to do that. A lot of people, people I knew. So, the Baal Shem, they chopped the ice, they went to the mikveh. It's, it's freezing, no, needless to say. They came out, and they started to walk home, walk back to Shul. So, there was a, a Christian there, and because the water became ice, he engraved at Salem, a cross, a in ediv, in the river. And all the Talmidim and the Baal Shemdiv saw it. So they were very disturbed that when they came out of the mikveh, this is the first thing they saw because it was by the river. So the Baal Shemdiv says, everything is a lesson. It's not a mistake. The lesson is like this. There's nothing in Judaism as holy as water. Water purifies, yeah? Paradum is water. Every mikveh is water. Mayim Chaim. The worst tumas, tumas meis, zav, ziva... Every tomb in the world, water cleanses it. Mayim is Tara, he says. But if the water gets frozen, it could turn into what? Salem. (laughs) So he says, remember, the holiest thing in the world, (laughs) if it's cold, it turns into what? Salem. He gave them perspective. You can have something that's mayim. Ain't mayim el But if it's cold, if it's frozen, that itself can turn in, like the Gemara says, sama Mavis. The point is that sometimes you can have all the facts set up, but there's a coldness, there's no relationship, there's no fire, there's no ishi, there's no ashali. You libi bikirbi, bahagigi tivar ish, the It's the fire, the ish. That's what fuels things, yeah, without fire. The water also needs fire. <laughs> the Gamoritaka says, Ikrit ik, ik, vilusa benura. The says in Sanhedrin, the main mikvah the main mikvastak fire. We don't go into fire, we go into water. Libun is in fire, right? <clears throat> so you have fire and then you have Mayim. So uh so you see in the Mayamataka he gets like a little lost in the oven. <laughs> speaks more over more over more over because that's the in of Ruven, the seeing, the being least of the Malka. I become consumed. The point is that seeing is not knowledge. It's not information. Seeing is I get lost in something. For that, you have to be open. If I'm very angry and I'm frustrated and I'm anxious, I'm not going to get lost in anything. I'm just trying to protect myself. You understand? So seeing is it's, 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 it's openness. That's why it's so important to bring in the onyi. Because if I don't bring that in, it's going to stop the seeing. People ask, "Why does Al Tareb have to bring in this whole piece? It's essential. If I'm davening or I'm in a relationship with you, and suddenly I'm feeling anger towards you, right, or frustration, where am I getting lost? To be lost in something, you have to be free. You have to be calm, right? You don't get lost in something when you're anxious. (laughs) You run away from it. You protect yourself. You do what you have to do, and you leave. So only when I could bring my anxiety into it, when I could bring the onion into it." Then I can actually really see it. That's why it's so important, the bchalav You understand what I'm saying? You're saying it's safer to do with God because He won't reject you. I'm not sure you're right. God, uh, God doesn't give. Uh, if you're very honest with yourself, huh? Is it really safer to do with God? What do you say? Depends on a life story. For some people, God is not the ultimate experience of safety. Depends what your life is like. Some people went through stuff and uh, they have God to blame because it wasn't, uh, you know, and uh, it's very hard. I'm just saying it's not so simple. But but if you can't do it with God, it's very hard to do with other people. my father and mother abandoned me and God took me in the thing you know with God is that he's not running away from the relationship he's in that you know he's not saying okay let's just get divorced had enough I'll go find somebody else that you know he doesn't do there may be a lot of screaming and bickering that yeah but he's staying in the house in simple English, he doesn't have where to run. <laughs> he doesn't have another house. <laughs> that's <laughs> Psha dira The Rebbe always says the purpose of life was Hashem wanted dira It means, I don't have another house. This is my house. <laughs> Your heart, that's my house. It's really a very beautiful concept. It's a, such a romantic concept. Basically, imagine in a marriage, this is my house. We have to work it out, we have issues. You know, two people end up in an island with a shipwreck, you know that story? Right? We have there's nowhere to go, there's no boat, we're here. So God says Diri means this is my house. I don't have enough I don't have anybody else to marry. I don't the angels, I'm not going to the angels, I'm not going to Eden. I'm staying here. That that that's very powerful. That's what you mean. I don't have another house. I don't have another place. I don't have another relationship. I don't have another husband. I don't have another wife. All I have is this place. That's what creation was all about. Al-Pich What was creation? Diri God said, I have one house, and that's where I'm staying. Either we work it out, or I don't know. <laughs> There's no... Uh, huh? No, that, that's what creation means. Creation, he didn't have to create a world. Creation means, this is my house. This is my house, this is my place. Your heart is my place. That's it. <laughs> I don't have another place, ever. That was the, the the drama and the beauty of creation. There's an expression in Rambam and Hilchus Tshuva, Patek Zion, Hifticha t'odah, t'odah promised, Shesuf Yisrael Lassus Truva um, The Jews will do Tshuva and they'll be redeemed right away. It was pshat, promised you're going to do Tshuva. If you have to do it, I can't promise. <laughs> the Pshat is... <laughs> That, in other words, this relationship is happening. <laughs> Sooner, or later. <laughs> there's no, there's, he's not running anywhere. You know, if we sit around the table for enough time, screaming at each other, <laughs> ultimately we'll start crying. And then ultimately we'll start laughing. Right? Where else am I going to go? I don't have anywhere to go. I'm not running out of the door. I don't have anywhere else. I don't even have the forest. okay we'll take a break here so, oh, so next year will be Friday morning because tomorrow I won't be able to okay we'll put it on the wa- yeah they dive in here a little late so I think we start we have to start uh, 7.50 they usually finish 7.45 well, we'll start I think 7.50 Friday morning everybody have a wonderful day HaTzlocher this class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net.